0: ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Lifestyle with Dr. Moby. And today we are honored with great guest, another medical provider. And how are you doing, sir?
1: Dr. Moby, thank you for having me here.
0: Okay. Dave is actually doctor of uh, physical therapy, and uh, he is author of the book as as well as podcaster. I'm going to give stage to him to describe himself.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, my name is Dr. David Meyer. I'm a sports performance oriented physical therapist that wrote a book titled Injured to Elite for all you live watchers. Here's the book right here. It's actually a picture of me squared there at Astoria Park in Queens. Uh And the whole idea is it's a guide to empowering yourself to transform your life after Mm -hmm. injury. And Mm -hmm. as a physical therapist, that worked for the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team, where I had to oversee their medical care. Mm -hmm. I realized that Mm -hmm. the mental side of injury is really neglected and it transformed how I thought about things. And uh, here we are today.
0: And this is a very beautiful concept a lot of people don't know, but (laughs) actually the mental side is so important with injuries. So, you know, I think one reason, I think I had one time a coach and he said that before the game and even they concentrate a lot on mental side because they think that it's going to prevent some of the injuries which anyone can have during the game. I did not know at that time that, you know, mental side is important for injury too. And I think since you mentioned a little bit, so we'll emphasize some of those points uh, for audience. So tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. what made you think that, you know, the mindset is so important for injuries.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So we're winding the clock back. I grew up with a father with glomerular nephritis, kidney disease, diagnosed from a strep, probably infection as a child in the fifties. Mm-hmm. And he had his first kidney transplant from his mother, my grandmother, Perlmire, and uh, he was on dialysis prior to that, of course. The kidney lasted 27 years, had his second transplant when I was, I guess, uh, my later teenage years in college. Mm-hmm. And I saw he was a huge sports lover. Mm-hmm. We bonded over that, but I saw the deleterious effects emotionally of illness and the injuries that came along with the drugs he had to take, the immunosuppressives and the corticosteroids. And I really connected to wanting to have impact on people's lives where they can live out the life they want to live, not Mm -hmm. just treating an ankle sprain, but Mm -hmm. in allowing that individual to use even the injury to do bigger things in their lives, a -hmm. reflection point. And so the moment that it hit me, I was a psych major undergrad at SUNY Albany studying psychology, but I was working for the Cardinals and my first year, here's a player on a training room table and I'm looking at him and he's cross legged on the table. And I could tell as an intuitive empath, that something, something was not right. Mm -hmm. And I was just managing the training room. I had 15 athletes in there and I'm trying to give exercises and TheraBands and all that stuff that we do. But here's this player that had uh, a reconstruction in his elbow. And I can tell that he was not happy. And instead of me saying, Hey, let's go in the, the office, let's chat, let's figure this out. I was in the mindset of working as a clinician, as an operator, mm. and unfortunately, about six months later, when he transitioned back to a club, to a team, mm. we came in one day and we were told that he attempted, uh, thank God, un- unsuccessfully, suicide.
0: Oh no, sad.
1: And yeah, and so I realized. I said to myself, Dave, you had, you knew it, you saw it, you felt the energy. And as the physical therapist with our scopes of practice and being told by APTA and whatever medical association you abide by to stay in your lane, I realized Mm -hmm. I'm missing the bigger picture. Mm. And so it took me on this path to to creating a model that we can use.
0: Mm. Now, this is fascinating. And, you know, being in medicine and we see that all the time, you know, there's actually a notion that you know a lot of in hospital you'll see a lot of providers put a console to x y z all the specialties but actually they have seen uh, that uh, the quality of the care patient gets if you have multiple specialties and they don't talk to each other or they don't look at the bigger picture the quality t- tends to actually really go down and mm. so so if if you have number of specialists on a case uh, believe me the uh, the outcome is not as great as if you had few and they are very focused on a lot of issues even beyond our lanes you know we see uh, i do sleep and, you know can behavior therapy or those you know psych issues like you mentioned if they are suicidal and you feel that um, that there is another de- layer to their problem then we really need to sort that out. I mean, that's how it is, right?
1: Oh, absolutely, Doc. I mean, my mother's going through an episode of care with a very rare condition called Burger's disease, which mm-hmm. is very rare vascular disease that affects young smokers. She'd be the oldest woman in the world, the oldest person in the world with burgers. She also has a a, uh, a condition called APLS,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and so she's going through this with tons of specialists, and she hates to go to any doctors. So what you just said is so true. Mm. Sometimes we need to just do a better job at being a few really good integrated clinicians rather than just getting into that rabbit hole of the medical model that we live in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, there's also, you know, patient uh, thing too, that somehow patients are actually this notion that uh they might be offering something new or something different um if they even there a uh, few doctors will have a great opinion anyways but they want to put those five consoles or 10 consoles and uh, uh, in the end actually none of those agreements are the same so mm. it could all be divergent so and then you're more confused than to start with so that's yeah. exactly what so tell us a little bit about um you know you've been dealing with a lot of athletes and i uh, you know with my residence i also tried uh some rotations in sports medicine uh, i was lucky i did spend time with steelers so yeah nice. uh, it's so i know it's uh, but it was fun you know sports medicine and so it's, you, brutal. yeah yeah i mean any sports is fun fun but uh sad thing is you know when you're dealing with injuries. And um, so what? what is, is so important? One thing we talk about is mindset. Second thing is what things they can do so they don't have this injury proneness.
1: Yeah, so there's two, it's like you're a sleep studies expert. There's two elements of sleep, as I learned from one of my mentors, getting mm. to sleep and staying asleep. So mm. in the injury world, there's two sides to it. There's preventing injury and managing injury. Well, I guess I should add a third overcoming and growing through injury. Uh Um, The million, the billion, the trillion dollar question or Bitcoin question is what can you do to prevent injury? And um, I call the BS card on that. You can't prevent injury because when you have a Ferrari and you're driving up the Pacific coast highway, if you drive that Ferrari quick enough, it's going to go off the road. And so Peak performance in and of itself is a wonderful art Mm -hmm. of pushing the limits and Mm -hmm. also putting some stress on that system. That's where recovery and sleep, nutrition Mm -hmm. come into play. So I think everybody wants to know what's the sexy, what's the fancy thing I can do, cryotherapy or the, the newest food that I can eat, or I should say supplement. But I always come back to two things. What you're putting in, what you're eating, not supplements, so I, and how you're sleeping. So, if you're not getting the fundamentals well, I don't care what trainer you're working with, I don't care what modality you're using. If you're not getting the basics right, then you are at a higher risk. And just to go into your world here, um, I was very fortunate enough to be introduced uh, by a patient of mine to her father, Dr. Bill Hart out of Stanford in the Bay Area, who worked with uh, a lot of the leaders, Dr. Mai, I believe. uh, And they did some studies on sleep. And they found with their basketball club over there in Stanford that athletes, and this is what I I cited this in my book, Hmm. athletes that got less than nine hours of sleep were in fact at a higher risk of injury. So when we're talking to our youth out there, And if you're a parent of a youth athlete and they're playing up, they're staying up late in the Zoom, you know, education system we live in and they're playing video games and they're off kilter, the number one thing you want to do is you want to get them on track with their sleep habits, the blue light, all the stuff I'm sure you talk to your patients about all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that is, I'm so glad whenever I hear that because, I can I sense that what you're telling is uh, is very in line what I practice. So I tell them all the time, you know, the there's a keystone. When you look at the arch, there's a key, there's a centerpiece which we call keystone of that bridge or keystone of that arch, and the sleep is tends to be that. So if you mess up that, and if all the rhythms of the body go out you know, so your hormones, you know, and your, you know, melatonin, um, those uh, actually immune system goes down. You can catch actually, so if people are sleeping less, there is a high tendency to catch infections actually, because your immune system cannot fight um, as well. And then also your concentration. So one of the injury proneness is actually your concentration and your ability to actually make those good calls uh, go really down. So if you're sleeping less hour, of course, uh, no wonder people have motor vehicle accidents. And then, you know, the uh, pilots and others they can have a lot of issues because of that. And athletes, like you said, they there is a lot. I mean, it's not physicality. At all there's a lot of mental strength mm. for the game, right? And then it is a lot in mind. And if you make wrong decision, if you make a wrong thing, you're going to definitely injure yourself for sure. I mean, I I think NFL, uh, I watch very closely and I always admire Tom Brady. I mean, he is uh, is very fit physically, but he- Executive
1: decision-making.
0: Yeah, decision-making. I mean, a lot of people concentrate that how well he looks, that is true uh but actually both ways he looks better and he acts very well so he uses his mind so uh, we were talking in the other shows i do nfl shows and we're talking about you know there are quarterbacks if you know they tend to run a lot you know uh, and the some would be more focus in the pocket and they throw the ball and they use the player very wisely, which is the best way But some run and there's nothing wrong with running, but probably they tend to have more injuries so, mm-hmm. and their yeah. carriers don't last as long. Right? right. Right. The, the, the,
1: you know, another trillion dollar question is what is the Tom Brady formula? And that's so true. You know, thinking, okay, this player is in improving his game by the decision making process how he reads the field how he strategizes and it kept him healthy that's i think that's the piece we're all missing in the system we all want to think of the problem how we fix it how we make the athlete faster how we make them stronger but wait what what about the indirect element of having a better ability to create executive decisions now i can't comment on how you know tom is sleeping or how tom is eating i have no idea but I bet you that behind all that, and I side note, kind of know he does take those things extraordinarily seriously, as we all know, the books he's written and stuff like that. So I'm yeah. sure it's impacted.
0: No, yeah, I like his book, but remember, uh, you know, physically there's a decline with age. You know, everybody declines with age, uh, with injuries, and um, everybody's gonna decline. But mentally you don't decline unless you really do uh, things uh, very toxic like drugs or sure. heavy alcohol or smoking so as long as you don't do those uh, and you know you keep yourself in good shape then there's a good chance that you will you can outsmart your team very well you know you can really do you know we used to have a player uh, you know we i used to play squash and uh, it's a it's a very tough physical game you know so we used to have a player he he was his technique he was a world champion and his technique was to keep a game at a pace and his opponents give out like mental there was no mental strength from the opponent to match you because you know then they keep doing mistakes you know so So you outsmart them because you have you have a full control on your and you don't kind of use your physical strength, but you use your mental strength to let them do a mistake and then they catch you and then they beat you right there. That's I, it. I couldn't
1: agree more. And 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 to add on to that, I want to put this out there. I had a podcast guest come on, Doctor Mark Hutchinson, out of the University of Adelaide in Australia, and he's mm. a he's a scientist as well as physician, and we talked about pain science and something that a lot of people don't realize. And I wanted to add to what you said with the smoking and the, that drinking, some of these deleterious effects on our brain. Something that people don't realize is how thoughts affect our brain. And so Dr. Hutchinson did some some research that helped to identify the the innate immune system of the brain that most people didn't, you know, the whole adage of the seventies and eighties that we use 10% of our brain. The truth behind that, as is I'm sure many of the listeners know That's the neuronal structures of the brain. The other part of the brain is the glial network. And with Mm. that glial system, what they're now finding, and this is like, seriously, this this is, listen to this right here, people. They have found that our thoughts and the different parts of our brain can 1000% impact biomarkers of immunity and health. And so all these Eastern practices that were foo-foo and were shunned away from Western thought is now being proven in research that, okay, yes, it's not a direct medical Western approach we can understand this by, but there is an effect that these other structures are having on Mm. our health and our thoughts are directly there. So is Tom Brady bringing it back here? Does he think different? I Mm. think he
0: does. Yeah. And whatever he does, um, you know, he never compromised on the basic principles. So I have not seen his lot of pictures partying late night. I mean, I'm sure he does party some, but I have not seen him kind of, you know, other Hollywood slabs or so that they are out there uh, partying all night or having a lot of uh, problems. So, I, I think that, that speaks volume about his approach to the game you know and the other thing is we have to realize that you know although he has won so many uh, medals and everything uh, I mean uh, Super Bowl but remember he is still the, uh, and one thing he does every, every year is he tries to improve one of his weaknesses. so he's going to work on one area mind wise and mm-hmm. work very hard on it, so so people can uh cannot beat him next year. So, yeah. I mean, that's but hopefully,
1: it's, hopefully, he parties a little bit at Super Bowl night. I would hope. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I saw his baby, one picture where he was uh partying on the board, but not uh, during day, not at night.
1: Not okay, that, no. he gets a few nights at so least,
0: yeah. So, but but uh, uh I think also brings a uh about health, and we talk about uh, the other emphasis is physical health so there was a time as you know before in NFL also in other sports uh, they used to think bigger the athlete is the more muscular the heavier and like you know so they are better off but now the new generation of players they are slimmer smarter Mm -hmm. leaner Um, so where is the shift now
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I come from a baseball background, so pitchers, there used to be a thinking that you needed a very heavy lower half and very big legs. And there's a lot of truth to basic physics, right? If there's a, if there's a heavier amount of mass, then by definition, force is increased. However, there is again, that balance. And I think in the football world, we've seen an increase in the skill in the game in terms of the, 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 the skill positions, cornerbacks, uh, Receivers, even some. I mean, look at look at the Chiefs and look at some of the people. You know, some of the quarterbacks now, they're very athletic. I think overall, over the last decade, we have seen a renaissance in the performance world. It used to be in this when the pumping iron with Arnold and uh, his friends and Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk, and we. There was first that push in the seventies to start lifting weights. It finally became cool. Uh, you know, back when Charles Atlas did it, people thought he was nuts. And then in the 80s, it became a little more mainstream, especially if you're a football player. Then the 90s come in, and now we're getting some interesting articles on different research and isokinetic testing, of you know, ACLs and stuff. ACL reconstructions are becoming common. But then in the 2000s, sports performance starts to become a discipline. And then the last five or 10 years, we are talking about Sports science data collection, and we're putting GPS trackers on them, and we're doing all these things. So, I like to call it a little bit of the fishing generation where they're just fishing for data and how to, you know, what we can do with these athletes like they're cyborgs. I think we don't have a lot of the answers. I think we might find in five to 10 years that one athlete might be best off to be at a certain weight, and another athlete might be best off to be at a certain different anthropometric measurement. So I think we have a ways to go until we really quantify a lot of these things. But I can tell you from what, from working with the Cardinals, we have seen these robust medical programs being developed from the strength and conditioning performance director to the physical therapists and the sports psychologists and a robust network of, of people that are giving a lot of information. But the same thing that you mentioned earlier about too many doctors being involved when we were speaking, uh, previously, it's the same thing in the sports world. When you have too many cooks in the kitchen, sometimes it can be become a little bit difficult to make quality decisions. So that's kind of what's going on now from what I've seen.
0: Mm. So, uh, yeah, that probably is right. So yeah, I think till they figure out my usually thought is that you know, leaner of you, not very bulkier. Now, there was more emphasis, uh, and I think some of my friends do that. They want to pump up iron and just, you know, build all kind of muscles, and that's that's fine. But that's, I think, a different game, you know, and there's nothing wrong if you want to do that. But uh, to believe that somehow increases that uh,
1: performance,
0: yeah, performance, that to me, is a little indirect. It, so 1,000%. Um, yeah and then i have seen uh, talk about sleep i have seen both ways so if you are you know weight if the weight gain is from fat uh, you will develop sleep apnea but also mm-hmm. if you have more muscle here and it gets same. bulkier unfortunately effect is same so so you have to remember uh, the leaner and i don't know it's reading somewhere that you know, they have seen that, or oh, people who those even those other side tend to have a lower, uh, you know, uh, survival rate overall. I, right. don't know, but.
1: I, I, you know, back before I became a physical therapist, I was in my back, my square days, as my aunts will tell me, uh, and I was into heavy lifting. And at five foot five, I was benching three thirty five for two reps, and I was big. I'm now a vegetarian and I weigh about 143 pounds, 44 pounds, and mm. I feel really good. Mm. And I can tell you personally, I think we put too much of an emphasis on overall muscle mass. Mm. And I think that a lot of people make those extrapolation statements of more mass equals gas or you know, more mass is going to improve. Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not the most impressive uh, physical specimen. There's much more impressive physical oh, specimens. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, and I think that is true. Uh, one thing people forget is that, uh, you know, if if you are going to gain weight, whether it is muscular weight or more than your body, will, it will have impact on the joints, no sure. matter what. Uh, so that is true if you're muscular and you can run, sure. But if you are also heavier and then even muscular, you will have less mileage for sure. I don't know. Think of
1: Ronnie Coleman. Uh, I don't know if, any, if you know who Ronnie Coleman is, one of the top bodybuilders of all time, an impressive man, and of course not natural uh, through his career, but he's had tons of spine surgeries. And if you look at most bodybuilders, Arnold as well, he's had a lot of his fair share of surgeries and and medical issues bodybuilding is not healthy playing sports is not healthy as you were as you and i were discussing and i think there should be more of an emphasis on on overall wellness rather than always trying to be bigger 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 because yeah there there's a lot of there are consequences
0: Okay. And then that brings an important discussion of perf- performance improvement or the per- performance enhancing medications people use to, to achieve the desired effects. Mm. So it could be anabolic steroids or it could be, uh, you know, drugs to improve the. So where is the line uh, yeah. we have to draw?
1: Yeah. I mean, think of, uh, let's talk about Lance Armstrong and and how he's gone through his medical, you know, there is an equal and opposite reaction to taking, whether it's EPO or testosterone, whatever you're taking, there are consequences. Our systems are very delicate. Uh, they're resilient, but they're also delicate that homeostasis is should be something that we really, you know, we don't want to make these quick changes to our systems, especially when we have genetic predispositions. So for me, I'm not really somebody that spends a lot of my time researching supplements and, and performance enhancement drugs. I'm not really somebody that culturally, I think that there's a place for it, especially if you're, you know, for instance, HIV patients, there's tremendous benefit for, for taking uh, growth hormone, but we're, we're in a culture now as a physical therapist, when I'm working with youth athletes and I see that they're growing quickly and I have to see that parent. And I'm saying to myself, Oh, I'm so happy to be their therapist because the athlete's doing great, but there's there's they're cutting corners. and i I personally it's something that I don't really love that it's such a part of everything. However, comma, as Gary <laughs> always says, um, the same token, I think it's going to be a part of the. The the conversation for a long time. I think that it will become more mainstream. I think that growth hormone will become uh, utilized by a wider population as they improve it and as they, you know. So I, I think it's an it's going to happen. And I'm probably even at 35, a little old school in my thinking. But I think you need to really guard your body and what you consume because it might make you a little bit bigger and feel better about yourself, but you're also taking that risk of really throwing things out of whack and and usually not by a trained medical doctor, usually not trained by that person. And that's really, you really want to avoid that.
0: Mm. And, you know, a lot of, uh, so what is not natural is, you know, a lot of people ask me and I said you know, the natural things become also unnatural when the quantity is more so remember the the medication the difference between poison and medicine is the quantity so if you make even this same food um, and if you eat too much more than your body can handle it becomes poison for you, you so water eat, yeah water so a lot of people ask me what is the best detox i say water there is nothing better than water and and not to eat as much as you sh- you can burn so remember that so if you can't handle that don't feed your body that those things. You just so, sorry go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say talking about this there's a close friend of mine and he worked he played for the Cardinals he's now with the Tampa Bay Rays and mm. Tampa there you go. Uh it just came to my mind actually thinking about this. So he just asked me today he threw a live BP uh in, mm. in spring training and he threw 91 miles an hour, 92 miles an hour. And he said to me, "Dave, do you think being vegan is affecting my velocity. And let's take this as a, an example. He's somebody that's a very crafty pitcher and he's having great success, but in his head still, it's the culture of it. He still wants the 98 miles an hour and he's, he's willing to compromise on this amazing vegan lifestyle that he's lived. And so I think whenever we get into this habit of asking ourselves, "What I need to do more what should I be putting in my body? I think you have to reel yourself back into your long-term. Don't confuse short-term gain with long-term goals.
0: Yeah, no, that is very important. Uh, so people can mess up their whole uh, rhythm just to gain certain uh, you know, a portion of their life. So uh, I think uh, it's been fascinating discussion with you. So tell me any final thoughts uh, would you like to give to my audience? Sure,
1: sure. Thank you so much for having me. My book is titled Injured to Elite, a guide to empowering yourself to transform your life. You can get it on Amazon. This is for anybody, a clinician or a patient that wants to take a different approach than the traditional rehab model. If you have a pain, an injury or a mental illness or a mental challenge, depression, anxiety, fear of re-injury, My book is broken down by three sections, the mind, the body, and then a little bit more of higher forces that I'd like to talk about. And um, I think it's a great resource for anybody and everybody in the sport, in the sports and orthopedic setting and beyond. So I thank you for your time.
0: Okay. Well, thank you. And it's been a pleasure. And uh, just remember, you know, the basics don't change for anyone, you know, whatever level you are, whether it's sports or whether it's um, not sports uh, the body actually operates out of rhythm and we have to honor it and help your body and everyone. With this, uh, thank you for watching our show and check his book and also check his podcast. Uh, it's such a fascinating and learning about how the body, is, the same principles can be applied. Thank you for watching our show. Take care.
1: Thank you.